Welcome, everybody, to This Podcast Has Autism. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, this is Marcy, one of the hosts of the show. I'm here with my husband, Bran. Hey. Today's topic is addiction. And just a reminder, this episode may not be the best for younger ears to hear. So turn it off if you have kids in the car with you or kids listening right now. And come back later when they aren't around to hear. So when people think of addiction, most people think of drugs. Um, Well, it's not always the case. Addiction can be many different things besides drugs. It could, you could be addicted to social media, video games, porn, sex, alcohol, work, reading, caffeine, eating, and the list goes on and on. Addiction is a treatable disorder. Like other chronic diseases such as heart disease or asthma, treatment for addiction usually isn't a cure, but addiction can be managed successfully. Treatment enables people to counteract addiction's disruptive effects effects on their brain and behavior and regain control of their lives and that was found at drugabuse.gov it's important to get help for your addictions no matter what your addiction is it can destroy your life even take your life it's important to take the first step and that's admitting that you have a problem then taking the next step is seeking help and the final step is following through with everything Does relapse mean treatment has failed? No. The chronic nature of addiction means that for some people, relapse or a return to use after an attempt to stop can be part of the process, but newer treatments are designed to help with relapse prevention. Treatment of chronic diseases involves changing deeply rooted behaviors, and relapse doesn't mean treatment has failed. You just keep trying. Autistic people have a tendency to do things to try to fit in and make friends or to escape reality or their problems. That's how they become addicted to whatever they're addicted to. Now this topic hits home for me because um, I have a tendency to get addicted to things really easily. Like uh, if I'm not careful, I get addicted to video games. (laughs) And uh, so I I try to avoid them. But uh, anyway, and, and I'll space out and I'll ignore my family and whatnot and so I I usually don't play very many video games but uh, my wife can back me up if I'm on my phone playing a game I really space out so I gotta be careful on that too and she growls at me all the time on that one and then reading is the same way if I read too much um, I, I love to read but I also have a tendency to block people out because I'm so wrapped up in into my reading and this other world also this hits home also because when I was younger I was uh, addicted to drugs and it did cause me a lot of problems I've lost jobs because of it I lost uh, friends I got kicked out of places where I was living I became homeless because of it it really does screw your life up addiction just really screws your life up no matter if it's drugs or if it's something simple like video games social media whatever it just really screws you up but anyway um so yeah if you have an addiction please seek help admit your problem and now for our interview today we have gino cuddy 
and um, I'm going to turn the time over to him to introduce himself. Hello there, everybody. How are you? This is Gino Cuddy, host of uh, Gino in the Evening, a local uh, television program here in uh, Middletown, Connecticut, um, that currently airs on Comcast Channel 15 every first Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Uh, on the aforementioned Comcast Channel 15, serving the areas of Cromwell, Middletown, Middlefield, uh, uh, Portland, and East Hampton, Connecticut. Uh, the show is also available on my YouTube channel, um, and I've been doing the program for uh, the past three years. Oh, wow, that's a long time. So, so how did you get in, into doing your own show? Well, that actually came about... Um, Back when I was, uh, because the thing is, I was in the 21-year IEP program, and uh, because of that, I was still getting outside help from uh, the school, and uh, I was getting help from, uh, you know, an outside venue, uh, the Community Health uh, Center, which is a local organization here. I'm not sure if that's available elsewhere uh, in the United States, um, but uh, I was told about uh this uh cable access studio um which um it, it, it fascinated me because i had always wanted to have my own television program um the the thing is is uh, i grew up uh with my mother and every day um, when i was a little kid we would watch the television simulcast of uh the rather notorious imus in the morning program and you know Don Imus, as a television host, you know, he, you know, really fascinated me and seeing how confident of a guy he was and I was able to, you know, really carry himself and I wanted to do the very same thing like that. Um, well, the thing is, uh, I got to uh, the Comcast Channel 15 studios um, in, I believe, March of 2015, either February or March of 2015, and uh, from there, um, I had to go through a series of trainings uh, in order to get myself to the point where I could do my own television production. Uh, so all throughout, I would uh, direct programs. I would do graphics. Um, I would uh, do audio uh, sometimes. Um, and uh, I would like design the graphics as well. Well, not really design, but put the people's names in. Um, just learning from the control room aspect of television production. Now, at the time, our, our control room wasn't really that fancy, but it was a stepping stone for me because the previous, the only other previous experience that I had with any form of television production uh, was in my high school. Um, I attended Middleton High School from uh, 2009 until 2013, um, and I... Uh, they, we had a television studio in there, uh, and, and it was headed by a wonderful woman by the name of Lauren Pizlkowski, and uh, we had what we called the Blue Tube News, as uh, we were, as our mascot is the Blue Dragon, so Blue Tube, Blue Dragon, sort of a spin on the YouTube name. Um, and I would anchor sometimes, uh, fill in for uh, the actual anchor, and it's worthy to note that uh, when I would fill in, um, I would get a lot of compliments, a lot of accolades. Sometimes people preferred me over the actual anchors that uh, usually sat in those seats. Um, so that was really where I got my start was with uh, the Bluetooth. And I would also learn the, because uh, they had a little control room in there. 
um, and I would learn some of it there. But when I got to Comcast, that was the real big uh, deal for me. Um, and this is the this is the thing though. Um, I had actually gone to the Comcast Channel 15 studios uh, with the intent of uh, doing a educational program for uh, little kids. Uh, I'd always been a fan of the Beekman's World Television Program, um, and I'd always been a fan of classic animation, the, the Max Fleischer Studios, Van Buren, uh, Disney, Warner Brothers, uh, Tex Avery, MGM, Harmonizing, um, and I wanted to combine both of those loves into one program. And uh, I had come up with an idea tentatively called Dr. Toon's uh, Animated Madhouse, which was to, which was to be um, a bit of an education on how the ed- animation process was done back in the good old days. Um, so I would show, so my whole idea for that was I was going to dress up as a mad scientist and give fast facts and, you know, have it be witty and charming and, you know, really engage kids into learning how to, the animation process worked back in the 30s and 40s. Um, uh, reality set in when I realized that it was a public access studio and we really didn't have the budget for a production of that kind. So I wound up saying, okay, I'll stick to the talk show format. That's the norm for cable access, but I want to be different. I want to design my own graphics. I don't want to use the already built-in graphics that are in the um, that are in the graphics program. I want to design my own graphics. I want to have my own aesthetic. Um, that's why um, in tribute, actually, to the aforementioned Don Imus, uh, I wear a cowboy hat on my program. Um, and I have sort of coined the, 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 the phrase that I am Connecticut's conversing cowboy. Um, and so uh, that's really um, how I got my start. I think my first program, we started taping uh, Gino in the Evening um, in uh, the summer of 2015. Um, I believe our first program was actually June or July. I'd like to say it was around that time. Um, and all my shows, um, except for my latest one, which I still have to, uh, edit, um, all my shows are up on YouTube. Um, if you watch from that first show from all the way back in 2015, all the way up to like my latest show that I've done now, um, you can see a massive improvement. Um, my first show, I was really, really nervous. I was stumbling on my words a lot. I mean, that's. That's one of the, the things with autism, I think, is uh, one of the things that I experience, at least, is the fact that I do stumble on my words a lot, and I do um, have a habit of repetition at some points, um, but um, I, it, 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 it's been a big leap uh, in progress of how I've done that. Um, so that's really how I got my start. Uh, I uh, arrived at the studio. Uh, March or February of 2015, and I started taping um, as early as uh, June or July of 2015. Oh wow, that's that's quite a story. What what made you decide to be on TV, though? Well, the thing is, is I, I had always you know had an interest in, in in television because I grew up with so much of it. Um, since my father uh, passed away. Uh, when I was six years old, I was really left with, you know, just me and my mother. Uh, my other family members really, you know, were, were very, very distant from me. Um, and, uh, 
that was of their own choice. Um, I've always wanted to be closer to my family, but they've just chosen to remain distant. I don't know why, but that's them. Um, and so I was plopped in front of the TV a lot, and I would watch uh, older programs, contemporary programs, but mostly older programs. And I'd always wanted, you know, to present myself to the world. And uh, again, the F, the aforementioned Imus in the Morning program really propelled that. Um, my love of old uh, radio as well, old radio shows, old television programs like uh, Groucho Marx and You Bet Your Life, um, some of the old uh, game shows and old television programs really uh, propelled me to want to uh, do something in media. Um, originally, I had actually wanted, because I was such a animation fan back in the good old days, um, I had actually wanted to uh, get into animation and artistry, and uh, I have some, I have like an archive of drawings that I used to do because I used to watch old Popeye cartoons, and I would draw. I made up my own characters. I made up my own world. Well, somewhere along the way, um, unfortunately, I, I had abandoned that. Um, I abandoned that. I think pretty much after I got out of high school because of um, certain situations that happened there and uh, the. the rather traumatic experiences that happened there and uh, just downright depression that affected me. Um, but it was really what got me at the TV was those memories of sitting in front of the TV with mom watching I Miss in the Morning. That's really what got me into television. Does your autism ever affect your career? Um, well, it does at times, um, I find, because, again, because of the fact that it is primarily a... Um, the, the format of my show is primarily a talk show. Um, I, I do um, stumble on my words a lot. I, I say um a lot. I say you know a lot. And people have come up to me and they have said that. Um, I've tried to work on that as much as possible. See, here's the way I do my show. Um, I like to have an atmosphere of, you know, since I am wearing the cowboy hat and everything, I want to have it come off as a total spontaneous thing. I don't like to have anything pre-written or, or predetermined or scripted. I want to have it be like you're sitting, you know, on like we're sitting together on a front porch, you know, having a, having a cold Coca-Cola or something, watching the sunset. We're just talking about, uh, we're talking to each other, and I'm talking to them about what they do for work and everything else. I want to, have to be like, just a nice conversation you need to have with a friend. Yeah. Um, and, and because of that, because of the unscripted nature of my program, unfortunately, I, I do stumble a little. Um, and I do, again, have the problem with the repetition. Um, and that's, that's been the one thing that I've been trying to conquer. Um, a big tip of the hat for a lot of my success, um, well, well, a little bit of my success, I shouldn't say a lot of it, for a little bit of my success, um, a big tip of the hat has to also go to Ryan Casey of Shine Bright Mentoring, um, something we can uh, discuss a little later, is uh, services for uh, lower-income families, um, and, well, actually the lack thereof. Um, and uh, so that's, that's the one way in which autism has affected my career is the fact that, you know, my, my, my voice, um, I try my best to stay on task, uh, try my best to carry on a conversation as best as I can. 
I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but I am certainly a lot better now than I was when I first started out. Do you have any advice for other autistics that want to go into TV? Well, here's the thing with me. Um, you just have to, you know, be confident. You have to go in there uh, pretty much like you own the place. Um, and, and you have to carry yourself like, like you're an important person. Um, and there are going, like in my situation, there are going to be like three cameras on you. But pretend those three cameras are your best friends and just talk to them. You know, just be normal about it. Um, just sit there and talk to them as if they're your friends and carry on a conversation with them. Um, I've had to do numerous programs where it's just been me without talking to somebody sitting in the chair next to me. Um, and those programs, have, I've, I've deemed those uh, Gino's little fireside chats. Like how you would listen to the president on the radio back in the 40s. That's that's what those shows are kind of like. Um, and that's what I have to say, you know, just be confident. Go in there with, you know, with a sense of, yes, you are on the spectrum, but that doesn't def but that doesn't mean that you can't do certain things. It, you have limitations, but there's no limitation to what you can do. You know, I, I don't know quite how to explain that, but even though you do have, you know, these limitations from the autism, it doesn't mean that you don't follow your dreams. I mean, that's what I've been doing right now. I mean, this show has been my number one passion for the past three years. Um, doing it every month has, you know, just given me so much joy. And I, I, I hope uh, you don't mind, but I uh, actually do uh, have a, a letter. Uh, that a fan sent to me, um, a fan who is on the spectrum. Um, and uh, uh, would you mind if I read a little bit of it? No, go ahead. Um, this is from a great guy. His name is Billy. Uh, he actually lives in the United Kingdom because he catches my show on, on uh, YouTube. And uh, this came all the way from England, the United Kingdom, Great Britain. And uh, he says, Dear Gino, my name is Billy. I'm a fan of your YouTube channel and your public access TV show. I can relate to things you've said on your show. I also suffer from autism, and I have split personality disorder. So much respect to you, sir. You are an inspiration to people with similar conditions, since you've achieved much, like having your own TV show. In Great Britain, people with medical conditions don't nearly do as well as people with similar ailments, as in the States. As I've got family in Arizona and Virginia, and I've experienced life in America where I, where I am, I had an awful high school experience. People didn't understand mental health. I was kept in a room for a whole year and missed out on a lot of education, and I'm only 23. So in England, people who don't have an education end up on benefits, which is government aid. A lot of people cheat the system who don't even have genuine medical conditions. I had aspirations when I was young, but in England, education is awful, and that's why a lot of British people end up on government aid. In the UK, bullies dominate the educational system, so it's a vicious cycle. Good people don't have an education and end up not educated. Enough of my rambles, so I've come to prefer American people, as where I live, British people are very reserved people. I've spent a lot more time in America and find American people much nicer and less reserved than British people. Americans seem to like British people, 
It's probably just our accents. Being American yourself, how do you view Britain as a country and as a people? I must say American women are superior to British women. They like the British guys. It's a confusing cycle. So to end my letter, I've enclosed a few gifts for you, including a custom-made Pokemon slash Disney tote bag and a game sealed for the working executive and a couple of signed items. Keep up the epic content. Kind regards, Billy, a fan from Great Britain. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And so with that letter, when I received that letter and I received his package, uh, that really opened my eyes to the plight that a lot of autistic people have. Now, you were asking about my high school career earlier. Well, here's the thing with high school. Um, a lot of that is a touchy subject for me, um, but I have to tell you the whole story, and this is going to be the whole story. Um, I attended, uh, as I stated before, I attended Middleton High School from 2009 to 2013, and uh, they were some of the worst years of my life, um, and I'll tell you why. Uh, nobody really liked uh, the weirdo uh, in school, and that's pretty much what I was. I was the weirdo. Um, I will admit that I was a little immature for my time. I, pro Looking back, I should have acted a little bit better than I did back then, uh, but I still do defend the, many of my actions that uh, I had back in the day. Um, for, for the one thing, I had to put on an act um, in order to fit in with society, uh, I had to put on an act, and sadly, the act that I chose um, to put on was that of a big uh, macho bravado uh, uh, guy with a lot of machismo and everything, sort of like, uh, I don't know if you uh, are a fan of wrestling, but like a, a Razor Ramon type, you know, somebody, you know, who's like, hey, Chico, something like that. Um, well, the thing is, is that really didn't get me in too good with uh, the female population. And, uh, there, and, uh, but the thing is, is, uh, I found out very quickly that that act wasn't going to get me anywhere. And so I remember clear as day, the day that I quote unquote took the mask off, um, which is, uh, the, the phrase, uh, that I've seen, um, it was, I believe 2011, um, we were, uh, we, in our school, we had an assembly uh, where we would assemble and go to a, a collective classroom, and it was called Pride. And one of those uh, Pride assemblies, uh, we went down to an auditorium, and uh, we listened to a wonderful woman uh, talk about her experiences with Down syndrome. Uh, her name was Sarah Wolf. I'm not sure if uh, people have heard of her, but she's a great speaker. Um, I actually uh, have a picture of uh, her and I together from years back. I ought to find it again. Um, well, when she was done talking, um, that's when I just decided, you know what? It's, I think it's time for me to take the mask off. I think it's time for me to go up and tell, you know, the population what I have. Because up to that point, nobody knew that I had autism. They just thought I was just a genuine weirdo. They didn't know that I had autism at that point. So I got up to that microphone, and in front of all my senior class, I think it was my senior or junior class, I told them that I have autism, and that's the reason why I acted the way I did. Um, I, I just wanted to be accepted by uh, the, the society. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. I didn't mean to you know, come off as someone uh, that I wasn't. Um, and 
the thing is, though, is I think because I had autism, I think a lot of people took advantage of that. Um, there was uh, one rather notorious incident that really did hurt me, um, and that's when um, I wanted to go out to prom uh, with this girl. Um, well, the thing is, is uh, I, I had asked her, you know, because I was nervous um, if she wanted to go to uh, the prom with me. And she accepted my invitation and everything else. And I was like on cloud nine. I was happy. I was elated. Um, and then I started hearing from her friends through the grapevine that she had actually rejected me. Now, I remember clear as day that I'd heard that she said yes to me. Um, and so I saw her in the hallway one day. And I went over, very nice. And I said, uh, hey, what's going on? I thought we were going to prom together. And so she said, oh, Gina, meet me by uh, the gym during a lunch wave. I'll, 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 I'll talk to you then. So I said, okay. Uh, so during my lunch wave, um, I went uh, to the gym, as promised, to look for her and, and, and talk with her. Um, I searched the whole gymnasium, the whole area. Um, she was nowhere to be found. Um, and when I uh, went back into uh, the gym, into the lunchroom, uh, to grab my stuff and go, um, I was greeted by uh, Middletown PD, uh, by um, school security, and I was hoisted up to the dean of students where I was told I was sexually harassing this girl, and I was thrown in, in school suspension for a few days. Oh, wow. So that, that was, I think, the start of my plight at Middletown High School. I also had a teacher there. I won't uh, say her name uh, in order to protect her. Uh, well, she um, she had once uh, grabbed me and took me into her classroom, and she had told me that I shouldn't use my autism as a crutch. Well, the thing is, if she had only known what autism was like, she wouldn't have said that to me. And she just stood there for a whole hour just berating me and telling me that I shouldn't act the way I act and I should act normal and everything. Um, and the same teacher, um, I, I, I took a class um, about uh, law uh, in her class, and uh, she made uh, us watch a film entitled Gridiron Gang with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now, there are very several sequences within that film that are rather violent. Um, and and uh, the thing is, uh, I think even back then I had PTSD because I just I, I couldn't stand those sequences. Um, and so, uh, I didn't tell this to her, uh, but I, I, I just felt shaken up, you know, with those sequences. So I, I, I left the classroom and she was like, Gina, why are you leaving my classroom? This is a film for our assignment and you should be in here watching this. And I said, I can't stand all that violence. And, uh, she said, oh yeah, Gina, well that's life and you need to deal with it. You know, and she would always have this ridiculous asinine phrase that she would carry around with her and she would tell me all the time your excuse is like a butthole everyone has one and yours stinks <laughs> she, 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 would, she would say that to me as well um, little did she know uh, of uh, some of my home life um, I, the, the things that I've gone through in my life uh, for one thing I'm going to admit this on your program uh, my sister um, when I was uh, six years old Shortly after my father had passed on, my sister and I engaged in a sexual act. Unfortunately, she she wanted to have relations with me. 
let's just leave it at that. And uh, she had told me at the time that if I were to tell anybody, um, that she would cream the living hell out of me. So that 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 right there. Um, and, and then the thing that really uh, upset me was when I was a little kid, and I still remember this to this day, um, was uh, my uh, mom, beautiful woman too, my mother. I love my mother to death. Um, still live with her. Um, she um, had allowed my stepsister uh, to come in and live with us for a short time uh, because she wanted, you know, my stepsister to have a chance at having a real family. Um, well, this uh, stepsister uh, wound up wanting to take complete control of my mom's house, um, which my mom didn't uh, care for too much. Um, and uh, so she wound up uh, getting into a big argument with my mom over, of all things, giving me a bath. And I was standing there right there watching all of this. And so um, my mom and my stepsister were yelling at each other and my stepsister wound up beating the living daylights out of my mom so much so that my mom ran across the street to a neighbor uh to call the police um and mind you i was only like five or six years old at this time um and and keep in mind too my, my dad was a bit of an old school guy so uh there was this one night when we uh we misbehaved and uh, my father got out his belt he says, we're going to play a little game. Whoever trips first gets the hardest whipping. Guess who was the first one to trip? I don't remember anything after that. So, yeah. So, obviously, a film with that much violence and intensity would alarm me. But this teacher, she, she just didn't care. Um, and I still stand to, the, to this day that she was the most ignorant woman I've ever met. You know, she, 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 she always acted like she knew everything and people treated her as if she was royalty. But the thing is, she, she didn't know autism from applesauce, um, to, to be completely honest with you. And, you know, it, it's like, it's, it's funny how people get to where they are, but never mind with that. So my, my high school experience was hellish. Um, I would always get hoisted into... Uh, the principal's office, because I was bullied a lot. People bullied me. I, I, I remember uh, somebody had shot a video of me and uploaded it to Instagram. Um, people, uh, because living in the era of social media, I can only imagine what it's like for today's kids. I mean, I luckily I grew up at the tail end of that. Uh, but today's kids, what they have to deal with, man, it, 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 it's nothing short of shameful. Um, and so... Uh, and then I wound up discovering just a couple months ago these rude and really mean-spirited tweets that people sent, that my classmates uh, had sent out about me during my school year, and it, it just really hurt to see the fact that people felt the need to ridicule me on social media like that. Um, and that that my high school experience was like the worst experience of my life, and because of that, um, and, and during my senior year. Um, I was feeling so depressed because of all this stuff that was going on that I wound up sitting in a teacher's classroom and I had a belt around my neck and I kept tightening it, tightening it, and tightening it because I wanted to commit suicide. Um, and nobody in the classroom, every, I'm sure everybody in the classroom, everybody in the classroom did see me. Um, and the teacher saw me as well, but nobody, nobody dared to stop me until I got to the view of the school security cameras. So if I didn't get to the view of those cameras, there's no telling what could have happened to me. I, I probably wouldn't be talking to you today. Um, so, 
and, and because of all that too, I had to spend multiple times in the hospital. Uh, everything just kept crumbling down. Um, that that teacher that I told you about, uh, I I had actually developed a little bit of a crush on her, and she slammed the door in my face, you know, and, and she just hand treated me viciously, and uh, because of all that. I uh, wound up going to the hospital saying, I just want to commit suicide because of all this because I can't stand being treated this way. So I went to the hospital. And unfortunately, um, I was expelled from school because of all that. Um, I couldn't graduate with my uh, senior class. And uh, because of all that as well, um, I now have post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, But with all that said, in 2016, for the 2016 elections, um, I, no, for the 2017 elections, that's right, for the 2017 elections, um, they were uh, doing things for Board of Education, they were electing people for Board of Education and for planning and zoning here in Middletown. Um, I was following closely the the Republican candidates, because that's what I registered as. Um, because I, I, I see the issues a lot differently than most other people, and I'll get into that. Uh, so I followed these, these candidates on the trail. I would go to practically every event. And one of those events was a uh, Middletown Federation of Teachers uh, meeting. Um, and uh, the meeting was unfortunately being held at the Middletown High School, more specifically the auditorium. And so... I really did not want to go. I really, really did not want to go. I, I was like, I can't go in that building again. It just traumatized me, and it, it sends shivers up my spine because, unfortunately, I live on the street where that school is. So every time I drive by it, I get a feeling that I can't stand. Um, so I go in there, and I'm, I'm hesitant, and I'm trying to find it. And so I, I wind up going in there, and I see uh, – all the candidates and everything, and I sit down. And towards the end, uh, there's a Q&A session. And so I thought this was the perfect opportunity for me to get a straight answer from the politicians in Middletown. What are they willing to do? So combating all the demons, combating all those bad feelings, I'm glad that I went to the to a school building that night, and I got up, and I asked. This is what I went through in high school. I had a belt on my neck. Because of all my experiences, I I PTSD now. All these kids are getting bullied. All these kids are going through so much every day. And nobody, I think, seems to care. We talk about racism today. We talk about Islamophobia. Uh, We talk about uh, offending the gay and lesbian community. But yet we don't address people with mental illness and mental disabilities like autism. I think that there needs to be change. And what do you want to do? Um, And a lot of them gave unsatisfactory answers many of them gave really good answers um kevin kelly a wonderful man you know who actually worked for a a mental hospital for many many years gave a great solution uh and john plino a teacher at maloney high school in meriden gave a great solution as well saying that we uh, need to have more social workers uh we need to get more mental health help They're, they're we're not doing enough and i seem to agree um i mean here's my feelings on everything Okay, I am of the persuasion that these events that have been going on at these schools, the school shootings, they are not the result of any sort of NRA member. 
they're not the result of any, you know, gun thing. Um, I mean, if you want to blame anybody, blame the bullies. Because here's the thing with that. When I was in high school, I was in a history class. The very first year I was in high school, I was in a history class. And I was sitting there, and I was getting bullied by two students in the classroom. And common sense would tell you that those two students should be removed from the classroom. Not the case. I was the one who was removed from the classroom. And because of that, I think that when schools do that, I think they're encouraging that bad behavior because they're removing the, the plaintiff instead of the defendant. You know, that, that, that's like blaming the victim, almost. Um, and a lot of schools seem to have a problem with that. Um, and so the thing with me is, is I think these kids like Adam Lanza, Nicholas Cruz, all these kids who have gone to do these very heinous acts upon these schools, I think they did so because they were bullied in high school and they grew a complex and they wound up going to shoot up these schools because they were bullied and they were tortured so much that they just couldn't stand it anymore. I don't believe it's a guns issue. I, I believe in the Second Amendment. I don't believe it's a guns issue. I think if we start at the core of the issue, which is ensuring that these students, these students with mental disabilities and autism, have the proper um, services put into place, I think that we can you know, prevent such incidents like those from happening again. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say that we're going to eradicate bullying 100%. That's, that's, that's like saying that we can eradicate racism from this world 100%, um, which is a great goal, but sadly, I don't think it's a realistic one, um, especially the way our country is right now. Um, but I think that if we take the proper steps, we can prevent stuff like that from happening, happening again. Uh, and so that's why I, I, I side with uh, the, the right on that issue. It's not a guns issue. It's a bullying issue. It's how we treat. It's how we deal with people, you know, because, you know, hatred, I believe, begets hatred. Violence begets violence, you know, and, and that's and that's what happens, I feel. Um, so, yeah, high school wasn't a good experience for me, uh, but perhaps it was a necessary evil. Something I needed to go through in order to get me to where I am today. Well, thanks for sharing all that. <clears throat> and you made some really good points also. Um, you mentioned about um, some services for low-income families with autism. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, the thing is... is for lower income families, I don't believe in the state of Connecticut, there really aren't. Um, I mean, unless you're really severely disabled, there's the ASRC, which is the Autism Support Resource Center. And uh, there are some little organizations, but for things that I need, um, I really don't uh, have access to them. Uh, my mentor, Ryan Casey, was a brilliant, great mentor, uh, but unfortunately, I just can't. Uh, afford his services anymore um i haven't seen him for over two two or so years i'd love to see him again and that's why i'm hoping this next election that things change for people like me um i mean the thing is because of uh our governor daniel malloy um 
I'm on a, a wait list to get on. Uh, I'm on the DDS wait list, which is uh, the Department of uh, Developmental Services. Um, and uh, because of that, I'm because of Daniel Malloy, I've been pushed back to a seven-year wait list. So I have to wait seven years in order to uh, in order to be in their program to get any services that they can offer. You know, and I don't even know if they can offer uh, Ryan's services. So I, I'm going to be in the dark for the next seven years. And, you know, that, that, that I feel hopeless. And there are a lot of other families who I feel I bet feel help, uh, hopeless and helpless as well. You know, there needs to be more doors open for people. They can't just because, see, here's my situation. Here's my feeling. You can't just put us all into one little room and think that we're going to be okay. Because the thing with me is, is if you do that, you're sort of giving us a false sense of reality. Because uh, when people on the spectrum, especially those who are a little more high-functioning than others, when they're transposed into the jungle called the real world, um, a lot of them, you know, a lot of the workplaces don't offer a little autism sector. You know, you have to learn how to deal with uh, uh, neurotypicals. And a lot of the times that's not good uh, because of, you know, the way that the schools handle it. Um, I believe our teachers, you know, people want to talk about cutting spending. I think that in the long run, if we spend a little cash um, and train our teachers on how to properly deal with people on the spectrum, I think that we could actually make some really, really good progress. Um, I mean, again, the ignorant teacher, she didn't know autism from applesauce. She, she really didn't know what she was talking about, and that's scary. You know, uh, she was one person I feel I could never go to if I had a problem because she, she always seemed standoffish. A lot of the people seemed standoffish to me. Um, I mean, granted, a lot of the people I got along with were older. You know, they were staff, uh, but there were some people in there who just didn't know. Um, I mean, for instance... I was uh, in a math class, um, Algebra 2, um, and that's another thing. Uh, during, I believe it was my junior year, uh, I wanted to – no, it was my senior year, and I remember this because that's when this, uh, this uh, mess started to unfold. So I was in Algebra 2, uh, but the, the teacher, he, he must have drank like 5 million cups of coffee a day because he was so high energy. He was like, quick, 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 quick. Um, and because of that, I wound up missing out on a lot of the notes. So I would wind up writing down these notes in class. But then when I would go back to refer to those notes, I wouldn't know what I just wrote. Um, so ultimately, I wound up having to get handouts from the class. And perhaps it's a little on me because I didn't go out, go after school for, for that assistance. Uh, but still, it, it's like... I couldn't meet that expectation. I was passing, but I didn't really feel like I was succeeding. Um, and I wasn't even supposed to be in the Algebra 2 class. They had actually wanted to send me to a transitional math class, um, but I wanted to challenge myself. Plus, I liked the teacher at the time, so I wanted to cha challenge myself and still keep that teacher because me and him had a good rapport. Um, so I wanted to stay in that class. And I wanted to, you know, be able to see if I could function with that class and challenge myself, go above and beyond, you know, this box that we've been put into as uh, an autistic society. Um, so with that, um, I um, unfortunately I didn't make it. I wound up having to go to that transitional math class, 
But the thing is, is, you know, it's very, very difficult, especially with advanced courses like algebra. Even algebra one was difficult for me. Um, and so that's why, you know, I, I pray for these kids who are going into high school and having to deal with this algebra and maybe even early calculus and all this trigonometry and stuff. Um, I mean, for me, history and English was always my forte. Those are always my best subjects. Uh, but I just find it, you know, difficult. It's got to be difficult for parents with autistic students because, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, with some exceptions, that these kids aren't getting the proper help that they need. And if we just slow down a little bit and forget about this common core stuff, because everybody learns at a different pace. We can't just have everybody learn at, a, at the same pace, expect everybody to learn at the same pace uh, to, to, make a dead, to meet a deadline at the end of the year. That just doesn't happen. Everybody's different. Everybody's like a snowflake. You know, everybody's a different shape. Everybody's a different size. Everybody has a different has a, has different abilities. You know, and so that's why I think that we need to slow down in the classroom and help those who are a little behind. I mean, I can guarantee that if I if people were a little bit more patient with me, you know, I, I would have gone far. I would have really gone far um, in, in my courses. I mean. Math and me never got along, but I think I would have probably done a little bit better if, you know, we didn't have to go by this whole common core thing and this whole meet a deadline stuff because, you know, how's that preparing us for life? I mean, the problem here, thing here is because of the way schools are run, I forgot pretty much everything I learned in school because I had to learn so much of it in such a short amount of time. You know, schools really, they really shouldn't have like a cut off date. Uh, I mean, we're going to school for education, and we should get as much education as we can get for as long as we can get it, you know, and make sure that at the end of the year that we know the material. I mean, hey, I'm a big proponent for summer vacation, man. I've always loved summer vacation, but if I were to have a child, son or a daughter, I would want to make sure that they... I would want to be rest assured that even if I was a teacher, that at the end of the school year, that I went away knowing that my kids knew more than they did when they came in. You know, that they got to experience a lot more. They got to, you know, learn a lot more. That they know a lot more about the way the world is and they know a lot more and how to problem solve. Because that's what I really think a lot of those things are. I mean, people say that they don't use algebra in real life. They don't know how to use this. They don't think that they'll ever have to use that. Well, I think at its core, stuff like algebra and science and stuff, especially the algebra and the math, it's not that you're going to need that math per se in your normal life. But what it is is you need to learn how to problem solve. And that's what that is. It's teaching you how to problem solve. It's teaching you the math. The math is just the base of what it's actually trying to teach you, which I believe is problem solving. Um, and, and the reading, trying to make kids uh, literate. I mean, hey, without uh, reading and writing, I probably wouldn't be somewhat of a writer that I am today. I, I write every now and then. My brother, my stepbrother, Eric, who um, writes uh, for the newspaper, he's a, he's a sports writer. He probably wouldn't have gotten to where he is today if it hadn't been for, for, the, for the lessons he got in school and how to read and write and all that, journalism classes. Um, and so we need to pay a little bit more attention to how we're doing in our schools. I mean, yes, budgets, tolls, and all that are, 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 are key. But, you know, focusing on our present is great. 
but focusing on our future would be a lot better. You made some really good points there too. Um, so how can we um, help the stigmata around mental illness? Well, I think what we need to do is is embrace people with uh, autism. I mean, let me let me tell you this. Every I don't know if I told you this already, but I'm going to tell you this now. Everybody who works on my show is on the spectrum. The two, uh, my audio guy is on the spectrum. Um, my uh, my graphics director guy is on the spectrum as well. Everybody involved in Gino in the evening, besides the access coordinators, are on the autism spectrum. And if you watch those programs, those are a reflection of what we're capable of doing. Uh, I mean, pardon me, my audio man, Russell, wonderful guy, great parents, uh, Howard and Carol, beautiful people. Um, and... Uh, you know, Russell may have some deficiencies in some areas, but the dude is smart as a whip when it comes to numbers. Like, whenever we go to his house and we play, like, a, a, a board game and he keep and, or, like, dominoes or Rumi Cube or something like that, he can pick up a pad of paper and he can keep track and keep stats of who's winning and do the math and all of that because that's what he loves to do. I think he would make a great, excellent accountant. Um, Kane Tabor, same, same guy. I love Kane's attention to detail. His attention to detail is wonderful. That's why my shows come out looking as great as they do, because he has such attention to detail. He has everything written down to the last T of how, you know, things are, are supposed to be run. And I'm so impressed with that. You know, that's why people like him would be great on a production crew. Because he would keep track of every single little minute detail. That's what I love about autism, people with autism is that we have such a close attention to detail. We can't let any little thing ex escape. We have to make sure it's all there. You know, big long sheet of paper, we need to make sure all the figures are there, everything. And that's why, you know, people with autism are actually a lot smarter than people give them credit for. You know, it's like... Ray Charles, for instance, he couldn't see to save his life, but look at what he was able to do with his career. He could hear more than people could hear. He could sing better than most people. You know, here's the thing with me. If you're deficient in one area, you more than make up for it in others. You more than make up for it in, with others. And that's the great thing about, you know, autism. I mean, at its core, autism is a hindrance. It is. There are a lot of things. I mean, I suffer from anxiety. I have depression. I have this post-traumatic stress disorder. I have all these afflictions. But the thing is, is because of the inner strength that we have as, as people, we continue to march forward. Um, you know, we are great people. We are brave people. You know, we've uh, combated a lot of the different things. I mean, I follow uh, probably the same accounts that you follow on Twitter, uh, Shona. Uh, Agony Alti, a lot of those uh, great accounts, and all those brave people, myself included, for doing this program for the past three years. You know, you know, we've, you know, we've overcome a lot. You know, we've been called every name in the book. You know, and hurled every pill in in the in the pill book. You know, we've been thrown every pill in the pharmacy. You know, but yet we're still here. We're still kicking, and we're still making a difference in this world. You know, I hope. You know, 
I have a dream. The slump day. Autistic people and neurotypical people can coach peacefully without having to resort to bullying each other and without having to drug up each other and being able to understand each other. That's what I want. That's how we send the stigma. Understand each other. Maybe hold a rally in America. You know, I notice a lot of you know people having Pride Day in uh, the UK, Autistic Pride Day. It would be wonderful if we had something like that over here. It would be wonderful if we spotlighted stuff like that over here. Because unfortunately, a lot of people are under false perceptions about autism in this country. Um, I mean, have you ever heard of the story of Graham Gentles? No, I haven't. Okay, there was this fellow by the name of Graham Gentles. Um, he worked uh, at uh, the Target, uh, at a Target store. And he had autism, uh, lower functioning autism, if I recall correctly. Um, and uh, he missed a lot of the social cues, uh, but he was a good worker. Um, but unfortunately, because of his deficiencies, his uh, employer couldn't stand him anymore. And so instead of going to Mr. Gentles and consoling him and, and telling him what he was doing was wrong and trying to help him improve, uh, he wound up getting framed for a robbery. And this wound up shaking Mr. Gentles up so much, you know, and they wound up putting him in handcuffs and they paraded him around the store. He was shaken. He was crying. People were staring at him. And it was... It really did a lot of harm and damage to this boy. Um, and so what wound up happening is he wound up going home later and he wound up committing suicide. Oh, wow. And, and because of that, I haven't set foot in the Target store since. I can't support an organization that would do that to somebody on the autism spectrum. Organizations like Autism Speaks, everybody always talks about the wonderful things that they do, but they don't look at what they actually are about. They're about eradicating autism, not helping those who have it. Um, they only spend about, I think, I think I read somewhere about only 4% of their budget on family services. The other uh, 94 or so percent goes to producing propaganda films uh, that tell about the dangers of autism and how it's a danger to society and how everybody who has it is a menace and they don't have a single member, uh, a single autistic person on their board, which if you want to know how bad that is, I you know, sort of equate it to uh, the NAACP being comprised of entirely of white people. That's what that would be kind of like. And um, another thing, you know, it's like there was a story that I had read. There was a story that I had read about this mother, this uh, uh, autistic parent, uh, parent of a child with autism, excuse me, I should rephrase that, and she applied for work at Autism Speaks. And what do you know? Autism Speaks turned her down because they didn't want somebody working uh, for their organization like that. And then, just this uh, most recent thing, uh, Jenny McCarthy and other celebrities uh, launched a, a hashtag, a rather offensive hashtag on Twitter, Hashtag end autism now, which I'm glad that there are some people, myself included, have spoken up about that. Because let me tell you something, you know, it's not that we need to end autism. We need to end the stigma. We need to end ableism. We need to 
understand. See, that's the problem. I think this is the problem that we've had since day one as a society, ever since the Neanderthal days. We're afraid to learn anything new. We're afraid to embrace or understand anything new. That's why the blacks have had the problems that they've had. That's why the gays have had the problems that they've had. And that's why we, autistic people now, are having the problems that we're having. It's because they don't want to understand new ideas. They don't want to, they don't want to embrace anything foreign to them. They would rather stay in their little box of ignorance. And that's what's the danger to, to society, I think. That's, that's dangerous. We need to escape that. We need, we need to accept the fact that, hey, these kids, these people may be deficient in some areas, but you want to know something? They're really talented in others. They're really talented in others. Um, so that's what we need to do to end the stigma. We need to embrace people. Autism acceptance instead of awareness. We've been aware of autism for uh, quite a few years now. What we need to work on now is the acceptance. That's the key here, acceptance. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, well, I think that's all we have for today. Um, can you uh, tell everybody uh, where they can find you online? Uh, yes. Uh, you can find me on my Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash official Gino Cuddy. That is G-E-N-O-C-U-D-D as in David Y. Um, that's my Facebook page. You could I post there regularly. Um, I sometimes post like funny pictures. I post updates as to what's going on with my program, uh, other projects that I'm working on. Um, I also have a Twitter that you can follow. Um, that's at official GenoC. Um, just look me up. I'm right there. Um, I do have a blog that I don't post to as much as I should, which is the world according to Cuddy, which is Cuddy'sWorld.blogspot.com. Um, I do have a YouTube page. Um, just called Gino Cuddy. If you look me up or punch in the name of my show, uh, Gino in the evening, you should find it, uh, rather easily. Um, I do have a deviant art, Gino Cuddy.deviantart.com. You can see a lot of my artwork there. Um, sometimes I even post to other blogs like, uh, some, like someday productions, uh, pillow talking blog, um, which you could find if you search that up on Google. Um, and, uh, so that's pretty much everything. Um, I also have another, uh, YouTube channel called, uh, Entangled Web, where I, uh, that's strictly my podcasting channel where I do my podcasting from. I have a podcast called Cuddy's World, which is, uh, a bounce off of the, uh, of the blog. I also have another endeavor, um, that I contribute to sometimes called Gino's House of Rare Sitcoms, where I upload, uh, rare TV shows, rare movies, uh, pretty much anything, uh, any form of media that's obscure that nobody really knows about, I upload it to that channel um, in order to get, get it some notoriety in, in the hopes that it does get an eventual uh, whole media release of some sort. Um, like I've uploaded episodes of the ill-fated New Odd Couple uh, that had Demond Wilson and Ron Glass that aired for one season back in 1982. Um, some episodes of uh, the notorious uh, gorgeous ladies of wrestling, uh, rare movies, rare pieces of music. Um, and so that's pretty much uh, what I've been up to. Um, I want to uh, thank uh, some people. Uh, before we uh, wrap up, I want to thank my mother, Cheryl, uh, who's a beautiful woman, great cook, and a, and a rather fun, witty woman. Um, she's been there with me since the very beginning. And I'm telling you, she's been my rock. 
She's my mother has been my rock. She's been the only truly consistent person throughout my life. And, you know, she's a very strong woman. She's a, she's a lot, she's a lot stronger than people realize. She's a lot lovelier than people realize. Um, and I wish she would get, you know, the love and respect that she deserves from certain members of my family. Um, I would like to thank uh, my, my followers. I would like to fr- thank my friend Diana Burton uh, from Idaho, who's been loving and supporting of me as well. Um, my, my Aunt Debbie in Texas, Debbie Taylor. Um, hopefully your situation is getting better after uh, uh, Harvey. Uh, she was affected uh, rather tremendously. Um, hopefully uh, they're getting some assistance down there. Um, all, the can- all the political people up here, uh, that I follow, John Plino, uh, William Wilson, uh, who is uh, the Middletown Republican Town Committee Chairman, um, uh, and uh, Seb Giuliano, who uh, works on the Middletown Republican Town Committee, Kevin Kelly, um, and uh, that pretty much covers it. My friend Katya, uh, who lives in uh, the United Kingdom, um, can't wait for her to get married to her uh, boyfriend, Declan. And uh, that, that pretty much does it. Also, Billy Elliot, Billy Elliot from the UK. And uh, those are the people that have helped me out tremendously. And I want to also send a very special shout out to uh, my friend Carrie Appeloff, who is uh, going to, who's going to be returning here to Middletown uh, to be a special education teacher. She's doing wonderful work. She's doing God's work. And I wish her the best of luck in her endeavors. And uh, so that pretty much does it. Um, I want to thank you uh, for having me on your show and uh, wish you the best of luck with uh, your future episodes and can't wait for this one to be released so I could share it with everyone. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing your stories and all your thoughts with us. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Before we close, I just want to let you know that next week we will hear from Catherine. She's an autistic teenager talking on what it's like to be in treatment and live with lots of other autistic teens. That's it for this episode. Until next time.